Hi, and welcome to the RCH Kids Health Info podcast, the podcast for parents about common child health concerns. I'm Dr. Lexi Frydenberg, paediatrician and your host for today, and I'm joined by my colleague and good friend, Dr. Anthea Rhodes. Great to be here, Lexi. Today, we'll be talking about something we cannot ignore in our kids as much as they would like us to, and that's their teeth. We've got a fabulous guest today, paediatric dentist, Dr. Mahiri Silva. Teeth are one of those things, Lexi, that come up every day. I've got four kids, so that's a lot of teeth in my house. And there's always one that's wobbly or one that's sore or one that's fallen out. So really looking forward to having some questions answered today as we get into this topic. From the Royal Children's Hospital, Melbourne, this is the Kids Health Info Podcast. So, Anth, I don't know about you, but with my three kids, getting them to brush their teeth regularly, go to the dentist, when they don't actually have a toothache or a problem, it's a real challenge. They often say, why should I go if everything's okay? Absolutely. And it's not just kids. Even as adults, we can be terrible uh, when it comes to sticking to prevention and really looking after our teeth. But very important to keep us well and part of overall health and well-being, as Mahiri will tell us. Joining us today to discuss common teeth issues in kids and debunk some myths is paediatric dentist, researcher and educator here at the Royal Children's Hospital, Murdoch Children's Research Institute, as well as Melbourne Dental School, University of Melbourne, Dr Mahiri Silva. Welcome, Mahiri. Hi, Alexi. My kids always ask me, why do I have to go to the dentist for a checkup? There's nothing wrong with my teeth. Well, it's startling that despite the fact that it's entirely preventable, almost entirely preventable, tooth decay is still fairly common, um, even in a you know community like ours. That's why it's so important for these regular preventive checkups, because it can be picked up early. And if we if we're getting early, we can usually stop them getting worse and maybe even stop um, the need for treatment and fillings and, and things like that. So you mean holes in your teeth, Mihiri? Exactly. So, um, you know, you might see a, a broken down tooth or it's like a discoloured mark on the tooth and that's that's the usually the first sign that a parent might notice. In some cases, it's actually a, a toothache before before we might notice that a child has got a problem with their teeth. And I think it's important to remember that we don't see inside the mouth often in young children. If they have a sore tooth or a sore gum, unless they're having regular checkups, we might miss it and then it can be quite late. That's right. And also in in children, we find that um, the pain and the symptoms come on very much towards the end of the disease. You know, usually these teeth have had pretty big holes, the nerves involved, and, and the disease has been around for a few months, but we haven't noticed. Um, and so that's what that's particularly why it's tricky with children and why we need to get in early, because that tooth decay has formed over many months. And a few months ago, it was just a tiny little mark on the on the tooth. So regular checkups so that you can keep an eye out for early decay and and try and prevent it getting worse and treat it when it's there. What might be some of the other reasons that you need to take your kids to the dentist? Yes, so certainly um, early checkups for prevention. And then also, I guess, it's important to look for any um, developmental problems. So what we mean by this is how the teeth form. Sometimes for some children, the teeth don't develop as we'd like them to, and they're not as strong as they'd like to be. And picking that up early can mean that we can, again, uh, do things to strengthen the teeth up, uh, focus and, and work on that with the family to try to 
avoid problems down the track. Okay. And I imagine some of the other common reasons why people come to you are sort of accidents and injuries. So in childhood, there's lots of stuff going on where you get knocks and bumps, and that includes to the mouth and the teeth. In little kids, I've got a toddler at home, you know, every time she falls over, I think, oh God, I don't want her to, you know, injure her mouth. And then with the older kids, it's often sport and, you know, contact and trauma. So teeth getting knocked about, injuries, accidents is another reason they might come to see you. Absolutely. And and really common, especially, you know, around that two, three years of age when they're running around and discovering the spaces around them. What should we do as a parent if a baby tooth falls out? If a baby tooth falls out, first, I think you need to check that it is a baby tooth. And this might be difficult to tell. Depending on the age of the child, um, often if a baby tooth is knocked out, there might not be much of a tooth root there because it's getting ready to fall out anyway and it'll look obviously short. Um, but if, if you're not sure, the best thing to do is to call your dental clinic, call your dentist or uh, a hospital and ask for their opinion and, th- and they'll recommend whether you need to come in and, and show them the tooth. And what about if you think it's an adult tooth or, or what we also call a permanent tooth? If it is an adult or permanent tooth, so this would be in children generally over six years of age um, when when they've started to get those adult teeth. And unfortunately, it is a, a, a big dental injury, but we do see sometimes adult teeth are knocked out. Now, we know that adult teeth that are put back into the mouth sooner rather than later do better in the long term. We know that they sometimes, if they're put in very quickly back into their socket, whether by a parent or a first aider on site, they can go on to function and grow and develop just like the rest of the teeth. But it's really time critical. So when you're talking time critical, how quickly do we need to get those teeth back in? If you can get it within five minutes. Oh, that's, wow. That's okay. If you can find it on the ground amongst the mud. <laughs> and that's so that the roots can actually kind of take and keep the blood supply or what's actually happening there? Yeah, so the, the blood supply comes into the into the tooth um, via the root. When the tooth is knocked out, the blood supply is damaged. But more than that, the ligament, which is the, the, the connection between the tooth and the bone socket, is damaged. And those cells that, that cover that root are damaged. If you can put that back in, we can help the ligament grow and the tooth connect back into the bone. Okay, so a bit like if a tree's come out of the ground, you've got an opportunity to put it back in the soil and the roots might take and it can survive. Exactly. So Mahiri, can you just talk us briefly through, as a parent, how do we put that tooth back in and how do we secure it? Do you just hold it till you get to the dentist? Yeah, so it depends a little bit on where you are. Um, Try to make sure the tooth is clean. Often they will be. Uh, You can... Uh, Give it a quick rinse if you need to. We don't recommend a a lot of washing, though. You try to orientate it, so you need to make sure that you've got the front and the back. Usually people don't confuse that. It's quite obvious which side of the tooth is the front, and it's quite obvious which is the root. So you literally put it back until until it looks like it's sitting back like it did. Now, keeping it there, you can ask your child to bite on a handkerchief. If you've got some foil, some aluminium foil, you can wrap it around just to kind of support it. Um, But anything that will sort of hold the tooth in place. And if you're not comfortable, just put it in some milk and head straight down to a dental clinic or an emergency department. So regular cow's milk, 
in a container is the best way to store it for travelling. Is that right? That's right. But get in that car and drive down as quickly as you can. Safely. Safely. And as a parent, I'm always trying to encourage my children to wear a mouth guard in some of their competitive sports, but it's actually really hard to get them to do that. So particularly when they have those permanent or adult teeth, as much as you can, particularly in contact sports, encouraging them to wear a mouth guard for some protection could be quite helpful. Mouth guards are just so important and they're a really easy preventive option because when a permanent adult tooth is injured, it is usually a lot of treatment for quite a few years. And if we can avoid that simply by wearing a mouth guard, we really recommend kids do that. The first thing is to make sure that the mouth guard is well fitted and made for the child. That I find makes a big difference. Kids just find it much more comfortable to wear. It stays in their mouth and they respond better. So most dental clinics will be able to make one. What about the mouth guards at the chemist, Mihiri? So I don't know about other people listening, but for some reason when it comes to Saturday morning and we're all scrambling to get ready, half the time we can't find the mouth guard. <laughs> so we have found ourselves at, you know, the chemist at the last minute trying to in the hot water trying to make a, a mouth guard. Are those ones okay as well? Look, unfortunately, we don't believe that they offer the same level of protection. And we really need them to come up and protect the roots of the tooth, as well as the bits of the teeth that you can see when your child smiles. Those roots are really important. The other thing that parents can do is, is talk to their teams um, and encourage the team to get on board, wear mouth guards during practice as well as competitive events. So that leads us on to, you know, perhaps a few other myths and and misconceptions we'll talk about when it comes to teeth. One of the things that we often hear about is that baby teeth get decay. It doesn't really matter because they're going to fall out anyway. You've just mentioned that if you, you know, a baby tooth is knocked out, not to worry about it because it's, it's eventually going to fall out anyway. So is it true that baby teeth don't really matter? Baby teeth do fall out and that's, that's certainly true. But um, baby teeth also, we know, really do matter. They matter at the time and they matter in the future for the health of the child as well. So whilst I say, um, yes, it's true that baby teeth uh, don't need to be put back in, that's more to avoid problems for the adult teeth that are growing in the jaw um, rather than them not being important as such. Great. The, The reason is that we know that tooth decay in childhood can have a range of impacts on the child. We know that it's um, the most common cause of toothache. We know that children miss out on school. It affects how they concentrate at school. And there's often a lot of distress that can um, you know, be felt by not just the child, but the whole family when you've got a child with a, with a toothache and, and a dental problem. We also know that tooth decay in childhood likely means that the child might have further tooth decay when they're older. And that's that's why we think if we prevent decay in childhood, if we get on top of it and we keep baby teeth healthy, we're more likely to have adults with healthy teeth. The other point that most people don't um, recognise or are unaware of is that baby teeth are in the mouth until a child is about 12 years of age. Those wow. last few baby teeth take a while to fall out. And usually, you know, when you've got a, a, a child who's five years or six years in the chair and you talk to your, that parent about when their child is 12 years 
of age, that seems like a long time away. Absolutely. um, And you don't want them to be sitting with a mouthful of back teeth that are decayed and you might not know about it. And that can have long-lasting effects on their oral health. Yeah. So that kind of leads on to another myth, which is that babies and young children can't get tooth decay. I think there's a, a lot of people who think, well, I know they've got some teeth, but they're not going to get tooth decay yet. Um, unfortunately, uh, it's a tooth is a tooth, and a tooth in a mouth in a child who's having food and drink um, means that it will attract bugs and and bacteria that will grow, and so the tooth decay process can happen. Unfortunately, it means from the day that the tooth comes through, we need to be thinking about prevention and keeping those teeth healthy. So what's the youngest age you've seen tooth decay in? Look, as a specialist paediatric dentist, unfortunately, we do see some very young children with tooth decay. So I've certainly seen children less than one year of age with tooth decay. One of the other myths um, that I often hear about is you know, sugar's bad for your teeth, but it's only junk food and lollies that are bad for your teeth. Is that the truth or is it all the food and drinks we we eat that can be bad for your teeth? Junk food and lollies are definitely bad for your <laughs> teeth. <laughs> um, but, I, but, but I think it's, it's quite tricky for parents and being a parent myself that there's a lot of sugar in a lot of products that we don't normally recognise as junk food. So they might look healthy. It Particularly, I think juices um, are something that parents give their children because they want them to have fruit and they seem to enjoy having it. But it juice contains a lot of sugar and the bugs in your mouth don't care if it's coming from a bar of chocolate or a cup <laughs> of juice or honey that you lovingly mixed into, you know, your oats oh, or thanks. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And what about milk? So... Breastfeeding, uh, I know that a lot of parents think, oh, well, I'm breastfeeding still, so I don't need to worry about brushing my child's teeth. Breastfeeding is obviously um, uh, something that we paediatric dentists really encourage and we know it has a lot of health benefits um, and we're very supportive of that. It still means that you do need to brush your teeth um, because it is still there are still some products that can form on the teeth. So if your child has got teeth and you're breastfeeding, it's really important to make sure that you do brush their teeth twice a day. Breast milk, formula, cow's milk all contain a natural sugar, lactose. And, you know, like any sugars that can affect teeth. Mihiri, could you just explain briefly to us how the sugar causes tooth decay? We have bacteria growing on our teeth all the time. And on teeth, these bacteria tend to stick because the teeth are nice stable structures for them to grow on. Uh, When we have sugar, these bacteria can use the sugar to produce acid. That acid can attack the tooth so that the calcium that makes our teeth strong leaches out. Initially, this is just a small effect on the tooth and you might not be able to notice it, but the dentist might pick it up as a slight change in how the tooth looks. But with time and ongoing acid and sugar, you'll start to see a hole forming on the tooth. And what role do genes have in this? So this leads to another myth. There's that, you know, well, we've all got bad genes or my husband's got bad genes. He had, you know, tooth decay. So the kids are going to get it. There's nothing we can do to make a difference. Yeah, it's a really common thing that I certainly hear. The good news, I think, is that we don't think that's um, generally the case. Um, For most people, um, 
tooth decay isn't really a result of genetic things. There might be little things that make you slightly more at risk, but we still think that toothbrushing and uh, the amount of sugar you eat are the most important things. Okay. So, Mihiri, we had a, a listener question come in. Our listener asked, what would you do with a wobbly tooth? Do you need to pull it out? Do you need to leave it in? We're talking about baby teeth here. Baby wobbly teeth um, are obviously something that all children will start to experience and it's quite exciting. Great excitement. (laughs) Until that point where it gets very, very wobbly and it's not falling out. And sometimes we find kids do start to feel a bit of discomfort and sometimes it it can be quite distressing for them. And they can just be hanging there. Like one of my kids at the moment is flicking his tooth with his tongue every morning at the table and it's like, when is it going to fall out? I mean, I'm just dying to grab it and pull it out, but he doesn't want me to go near it. He's brothers and sisters are all offering their solutions as well. What about biting on an apple? And then there's grandma, you know, tie it to a string and the door handle. What should we actually really do? It is a tricky one. Um, my advice is is generally to leave it alone and encourage them to have sort of a, an apple or something that, you know, where they um, just forget about it and, and they bite it. What we find is kids are often become really aware of it, so they avoid chewing on it and it sort of goes around in circles. If it's really worrying you, I would say uh, talk to your dentist because um, they might be able to give you some tips. Sometimes it can be helped along and I have done that sometimes for patients. Um, I'd I'd probably encourage parents not to go ahead and start taking out kids' teeth. This is the problem when your mum's a a paediatrician and, you know, there's a very good first aid kit with a few different tools in it that we can be tempted to get involved. Absolutely. And sometimes as a parent, I worry if my child has a wobbly tooth about them going to sleep at night. What's going to happen? What if it falls out during the night? What would you recommend in those cases? Should we pull it out just before they go to sleep? It's it's hard. I imagine it's hard as a, a parent who's not a dentist to know when that tooth is about to fall out. Absolutely. I have Um, no idea. I I certainly know with um, my daughter who had a wobbly tooth, you know, I I did try to take it out at home and I found I I could tell that it wasn't quite wobbly. (laughs) You just get a bit too much resistance. So I waited a little bit longer, but I imagine most parents probably can't make that call. So the bottom line is, as a parent, let's not try and get in there and take the tooth out. Let it fall out on its own or gently encourage your child to play with it or eat a hard object like an apple. And I think you raised an important point there, Lex, about what about at night, you know, if it falls out and what about if they swallow it? So I've certainly had my kids on occasion swallow a tooth. The the biggest distress for them in that case was that they might not be able to leave something out for the tooth fairy <laughs> and where they're still going to get their money. But as a parent, you might think, oh God, is that dangerous? Yeah, look, if they if they swallowed a tooth, there's, there's no danger there. So that's that that's at least reassuring. And the tooth fairy does come if you write a note and explain what happens. Yes, yeah. yes. So Mihiri, let's talk about prevention because, you know, as you've emphasised, once the tooth starts to be decayed, it's much harder to treat. So we really want to get in there early. What are the key things we as parents can do to help our children have the best teeth they can? So the first thing is toothbrushing, uh, making sure that we support the children to develop really good habits um, to brush their teeth twice a day. Um, It's something that parents need to be involved in and parents can certainly model. I think children really take their cues from parents about these sorts of things and they can see that the family, uh, everyone in the family is doing it, then 
it's, it just becomes part of the routine. And up to what age, Mihiri, do they need help? You know, when can you leave kids to it? Give them the brush, set the timer if, you know, that's what you're going to do or just kind of keep an eye on it. And up to what age should you be getting in there and doing it with them? That's quite tricky because I, I think it depends on the individual child and, and the temperament of the child. But um, generally we say until a child has got their pen licence, so, you know... De- about I'd grade say, three, usually. Yeah, about yep. grade three, we should be um, helping them brush their teeth. And anyone with a child in grade three or above would know they still usually need a, a little bit of support, a little bit of reminding. It's tricky because at that eight years of age, is they've still got a lot of teeth coming through. They've got a lot of teeth that are partly through the gum. Their back molars, their adult molars that come through at six years of age may not be fully through. They might have some wobbly teeth. So often they they may not be right on top of the brushing. And it's and it's just helpful if parents can from time to time, even with an eight-year-old, just give them a quick brush. Some kids really like that independence. They want to do it themselves. So maybe, you know, often getting them to start and do those front teeth themselves that they can reach, but then you helping them with the the back teeth can be really helpful. And what about toothpaste? Which toothpaste and how much? We've got some pretty clear guidelines in Australia in terms of what type of toothpaste to use. So up until um, 18 months, we don't recommend using toothpaste um, or fluoridated toothpaste. But from 18 months onwards, it's really important that parents use a low-strength fluoridated toothpaste. Now, that may vary if your dentist tells you that um, your child needs to be on a higher-strength toothpaste, fluoridated toothpaste, and then that might be appropriate for your child. From six years of age, though, children can move on to just the adult toothpaste that you use at home. Or if it's if they're finding it a little bit spicy, the six plus toothpaste tend to be a, a little bit milder as well. And you've got some great tips, Mihiri, with all of this in a video. So we will link to that video for people listening and they can actually watch and get your advice and direction as well as listening. One of the other questions I get asked is, what age should I start brushing my child's teeth? Well, my advice is to to brush the moment you start to see those teeth come through. And that can be pretty early. The good news is, of course, at that stage, you've just got one or two teeth to brush and they're right at the front of the mouth. And routine is flexible in those early years, you know, if you're early months, if you're talking about a six-month-old or someone, a child who's less than 12 months of age. But tr- getting a toothbrush onto those teeth as they're coming through is really important. So start brushing the teeth as, as soon as you see them. And there are baby toothbrushes available, which are much softer. Yeah, there are soft brushes and small brushes as well. You generally want to use a toothbrush that's got a small head um, and that just makes it easier to to brush around those little teeth. Yeah, my youngest has got one of those on the go at the moment and I've got two main challenges. One is actually getting it off her when we've finished brushing the teeth and the other is stopping her brushing her hair with it. So. <laughs> <laughs> what about electric toothbrushes? At what age would you recommend those and are they as good or better than a manual toothbrush? Yeah, electric toothbrushes can be handy, um, particularly as children get a little bit older. So in in babies, you know, less than two years of age, I think they're, they're quite tricky to use. But as, as children get older, they might be quite responsive to it, particularly if you've got younger siblings who, who look, at, look up to their elder brothers and sisters and want to start using the electric toothbrush as well. The research seems to show that the electric toothbrushes can be a little bit more effective. But with kids, we also find that they can be more engaging. And sometimes kids change. They'll use an electric toothbrush for a while, then they'll go back to the manual brush. And that's that's okay, as long as we're using both of them 
in the way that they're supposed to be incorrectly. So parents don't need to rush out and get an electric toothbrush, but it's certainly a good alternative if that's what's right for you and your child. We've got a great question here from a listener, Leah, who's asked about flossing. What's the best way to floss a child's teeth? Flossing is is a great thing to do for children's teeth, and it does sound... um, you know, ambitious, <laughs> ambitious. I do get some sceptical looks, but um, I'll, t- I'll tell you why flossing is handy because children get a bit bored with brushing after a while and usually bringing in the floss afterwards just sort of mixes things up. You say, you've finished brushing now, we'll just do a quick floss. And it means you can just get a little bit of extra time in the mouth because they see that as an end and a, you know, a different activity, I guess. Um, you don't need to floss all the teeth, only really teeth that are contacting each other. So teeth that are side by side. We know when teeth are in contact, they're more likely to get decay. And so flossing can be useful. To get those food bits out, those last food bits. Yeah, and there are some um, little tip, like little tools you can use, little flossets that you can buy at the supermarket. You might prefer just using the floss string. Um, you can always ask your dentist to show you how to use it. Um, I find it much easier if I can show a parent how to do it and they give it a go. You mentioned fluoride and fluoride in toothpaste. Why is fluoride important for our teeth? Fluoride is something that we know is really helpful in our fight against tooth decay. It makes the teeth stronger. It resists that acid attack that the that the bugs can mount on your teeth and it helps keep the teeth strong. And so whether that's fluoride from tap water, as we know most of our water supplies in Australia are fluoridated, um, or fluoride in the toothpaste, these are really important sources to keep your teeth strong and fight that tooth decay process. And important perhaps for parents listening to remind them that fluoride's not in bottled water, is it? Yeah, bottled water doesn't have a a standardised amount of fluoride, whereas our community water levels, our fluoride levels are very safely regulated and controlled. And so that's why it's so important to make sure that you are having tap water and your children are having tap water to reap the benefits of that fluoridation. Perhaps uh, the last thing to chat about before we wrap up, Mahiri, is about, you know, where to go if you want to take your child to the dentist. You've mentioned that it's important to start from an early age. For parents listening, when should they start visits? Where should they go? We recommend that children have their first dental visit by 12 months of age or when the first tooth comes through. So that's pretty early um, and might surprise a few people. I agree. We Every child doesn't need to see a specialist paediatric dentist. And so um, I would recommend that families find a dentist that they're comfortable with and that, and that they fit, fit well with. So that might be a private general dentist or it might be through a community health clinic or a public dental service. Um, all children under 12 years of age are eligible to be seen in public dental services, um, either at no cost or at reduced cost. Fantastic. So people sometimes feel like it's hard to find a dentist or that they might not be able to afford it, but there are lots of options out there to help you. Absolutely. So in addition to the public services, and it, it there are some variations state by state, so that's something that's important to look up depending on the state that you live in. Um, there is also a government scheme called the Child Dental Benefit Scheme, which covers dental treatment for children, either in public or private settings, and and can provide up to $1,000 worth of treatment over a two-year period. Of course, not every child's confident about going to the dentist. They might be a bit unsure or even fearful. 
it can be helpful for them to watch another child have that experience. And we've got a great video that enables them to do that. We'll link to this in the show notes. So Mahiri, as we leave parents listening today, what top tips have you got for them when they're thinking about their kids and their teeth? Well, my top tips would be to start early, to start early focusing on prevention, make sure children have a healthy diet and do your best to avoid sugar. Toothbrushing early, the last thing is to go and see the dentist early, um, starting, as I said, at 12 months when the first tooth comes through. Fantastic. So the dentist matters, teeth matter, and there's no avoiding it. Thanks so much, Mahiri, for being here to chat to us today. I've learned a lot and Lexi has too, and we look forward to hearing from you again in the future. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and even better, leave us a review. We'd also love suggestions for future episodes. Thanks for listening. Information provided in this podcast is general in nature and is intended to support, not replace, discussions with your doctor or healthcare professional. If you are concerned about your child, please consult your local healthcare professional for further advice.